Access more. Hey there, I'm Christine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Equip and Empower podcast. Now, my prayer is that our time together each week encourages you, awakens you to the purposes of God in your life, and activates you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as you live on mission for Him. Hey, podcast listeners. If you have ever found yourself wanting to give up, you're going to want to hear what we're about to share with you. Christine has put together a list of 10 of her favorite scriptures to encourage you to keep going when you just want to quit. Go to christinecane.com forward slash don't quit to get your copy so that you'll have encouragement ready for the next time you're finding it hard to keep believing that the best is yet to come. Now, let's dive into today's message. I am so grateful that you've joined me again today. I know that God has a word for you that literally could transform your life. I don't believe that you've tuned in by accident. We have been talking about unleashing the God-given potential on the inside of you, that you and I have been created by God for a relationship with God, that we are the workmanship of God. You are not here by accident. You are not a mistake. You are not a result of your failures. You are who God says you are and you can do what God says you can do. And we are the workmanship of God. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand in eternity, that we should walk them out right here on planet earth during our lifetime. God has put the seeds of greatness on the inside of you. He has put potential on the inside of you and you and I together could grow to where we need to go for the glory of God. So the first thing that we have to do is understand that that God dreams got to be conceived. When I did my first pregnancy test and found out that I was carrying my firstborn child, Catherine Bobby, who now is in college. But I remember in the Wit Sundays in Australia, just sitting on the bathroom floor, freaking out because I was thinking I'm carrying a human being. But on the inside of me right then was all of the potential in that little girl that at the time was smaller than a grain of rice. God had put all the potential in her to become what He's called her to become. We've got to conceive. It all starts with conception. Conception comes out of a place of intimacy. If you and I are gonna conceive the God dream, we have to have an intimacy with the Lord. It comes out of our prayer time with God. It comes out of being in the Word with God, of continually building ourselves up in the Spirit of God. And and I love doing that. I love walking outside with God and praying in the Spirit and, and building my intimacy with the Lord and being rooted and grounded in the Word of God to learn who He is and to know His ways, to be in Christian community in our local church, to make sure that we are building our lives around intimacy with the Lord. That's where we begin to conceive the God dream. And then you go from conception to the fact that you actually have to believe that you can do it in Christ. You see, if you and I are going to give birth to our God-given dreams, Now, there are certain things we have to believe. And the first thing is we have to believe that God is actually big. Now, I know this sounds simple, but after over 30 years of Christian ministry, the one thing that I have truly realised is that most people have got a, a really small view of God. The God that they know is so small, so contained and so limited. He's so much smaller than He actually is described to us in the Word of God. You know, when 
Catherine was little. And of course, you can hear a lot of Catherine's stories because now I've launched her to college. And so um, I'm missing her so much that I've got to talk to you about her all the time. When Catherine was little, she used to sing the song. Now, if I could sing, I would sing it, but I don't want to traumatise anyone that's in the room right now. But she would sing a song that says, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. Some of you are singing that. You're like, that's true. The mountains are His, the valleys are His, the stars are His handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Now, she would sing it, anyone that is a mother. You know that when your kid starts learning a new song, man, they are going to sing it morning, noon and night. They want you to sing it to them again, mummy, again, mummy, again, mummy. It's like it just is the same thing, whether they find a television show that they like. Again, mummy, it's like, what, do you have amnesia? Like, like you know, you got the memory of Nemo. It just kind of like goes. But I, I got to this point that I, almost, I got so sick of singing it to her. And I was going to say, please, can we just sing another song? But as I was about to say that, I'll never forget this. Right at that moment, as I was about to say it, I thought, Christine, don't say that. Because here is the deal. If this is all that Catherine ever knows about God, if this is all that Catherine ever believes about God, if all she knows about God is, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. I thought, that's all she needs to know about God. I want her to know that her God is so big, that her God is so strong and that her God is so mighty that it, there is literally nothing her God cannot do. I wonder though, if you and I truly believe that. You see, I think all of us know when we use our big theological terms that God is omniscient, that God is omnipotent, that God is omnipresent. And the fact is God is as big as He is ever going to be. God is as big as He ever needs to be. You and I can't make God any bigger than He actually is. That, that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I am saying is the thing that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you. You see, God can do more than we contemplate, more than we hope for, more than we consider, but it is according to the faith, the confidence, the determination, the big thinking and the expectation that's in you. The God of the universe is made big or small in the hearts of His people. The key to fulfilling our dreams, the key to fulfilling our dreams is to make God bigger inside of us, to make that power working in us greater. The key to making God big, it lies in Psalm 69 verse 30, where the psalmist writes, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. That word magnify means to enlarge, to make bigger. So if you and I are truly going to give birth to our dreams, we have to learn to make God bigger than any situation we may confront. We must make God bigger than our past, bigger than our mistakes, bigger than our disappointments, bigger than our limitations and bigger than our pre 
conceptions. You know, when I was at Sydney University, one of our professors once did a kind of this lecture. And in this lecture, he had this big white screen and behind him on this big white screen, he had this tiny little black dot. And I remember he asked all of our our class, he said, okay, what do you see on the screen behind me? And every one of us, you know, kind of we're all freshmen, we're all like so excited wanting to please the professor. We're saying, well, there's a black dot there. And he just smiled. I'll never forget it. Because he said, yes, there is a black dot there. But the black dot is only tiny. The black dot is less than 0.001% of the white screen. The white screen is 99.98 or whatever it was percent of what is behind me. But you all chose to focus on the thing that was less than 0.001% of the whole size of that screen. And I would dare to suggest that most of us in our life, that's what it's like. That we make the little black dots of life bigger in our life than what God has done for us. God is this huge screen. And we focus on the little black dots. So we need to learn to make God bigger than what people have said about us, bigger than what people have done to us, bigger than our failures, bigger than our mistakes, bigger than our limitations, our failures, our mistakes, our limitations, the things that have been said about us, the things that have been done to us, they are basically like the little black dots of our life. And God's saying, I am much more than all of that. Would you magnify, would you make me bigger than those things? And that's how we enlarge God. That's how we make the God of the universe bigger in our hearts. We focus more on what He has done for us than what others have done to us. We focus more on the goodness of God, the grace of God, the faithfulness of God, the comfort of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, than I do on all of the other things that are happening around me. And so not only do I conceive, I've got to believe that God is who He says He is. That God can do what He says He can do. The Bible says of Abraham that, you know what, that he believed God. So it was accounted to him as righteous. He was called righteous by God because he believed God. And there are so many issues on the earth today. There is so much pain. There is so much suffering. There is so much heartache. There is so much grief. I wonder if we, the people of God, truly do believe God. See, I think maybe one of the issues on the earth today Uh, There are so many issues and we think, Chris, you know, they're political or they're economic or they're social or they're moral or they're environmental. I mean, yes, and all of those things play into it. But ultimately, I wonder if we have a faith issue, if there are too many unbelieving believers and we need some believing believers that believe that God is who He says He is, that believe that God could do what He says He could do, that truly do believe the God of the Bible, that He is who He says He is. So not only do we believe Him, but we have to envision the future that God has for us. You know, my first few months of pregnancy, they were brutal. I was sick literally all of the time. I have no idea why they call it morning sickness because mine was not morning sickness. Mine was morning sickness, mid-morning sickness, lunchtime sickness, mid-afternoon sickness, evening sickness, and then night sickness. All I remember is 24 seven 
sickness. That's all I had. I would be flying on planes from Australia and, and traveling to teach around the world and I'm in a fetal position on my seat. I lost so much weight in those early months of my pregnancy because I could not eat anything. I was so sick. And I remember the thing I probably said more than anything else during that time is, why did they call this morning sickness? It's not morning sickness. It's all day sickness. But you know, when Nick and I went and had an ultrasound and we saw that first ultrasound of Catherine, we were so overwhelmed with emotion. I just remember like freaking out and weeping and watching in that ultrasound that inside my tummy was a a living, breathing human being. And this human being was growing on the inside of me. Can I just say all of a sudden, I didn't care about the morning sickness anymore. I mean, up until the ultrasound, I'd been murmuring, grumbling and complaining like the children of Israel nonstop. But when I saw that ultrasound, I saw a vision of the future. And can I just say, it made my current discomfort seem worthwhile. See, when you get a glimpse of your future, I know that over the last few years, there's been a lot of discomfort. There's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of disappointment, a lot of division, a lot of chaos. I know that it has been anything but joy-filled. And for many of us, we have felt shaken. We have felt nauseous. We have felt just swayed to and fro. It's like we couldn't get a break. There were so many things happening on the earth and there's political instability and then there are fires around the world and then there are earthquakes and and then there's what's happening in Afghanistan and we've had racial injustice and we've had a global pandemic and there's been loss of jobs and there's been loss of lives and you're just like feeling all of this sickness and it is easy to just get caught up in it. But when you stop and you glimpse God and you envision the God dream, All of a sudden, just like me in that room with that ultrasound, suddenly, you know, all of the morning sickness, lunch sickness and evening sickness, it it didn't matter because I got a perspective of what was happening and what was growing while I was feeling all of this upheaval. This is not a time for you and I to just focus on the temporal. We've got to focus on the eternal. This is a time when we've got to elevate our eyes and get an eternal perspective. And it is the only way we're going to make it through this temporal process. See, I think it's focusing on our God dream that's going to keep us on track. And it will help us do whatever needs to be done to realise that. I think as there's been so much shaking over these last few years and people have said, Chris, you know, you've continued to lead A21. You've continued to lead Propel. You guys have continued to stay on track. The fight has been to stay anchored in Christ, to fix my eyes on Jesus, to realise I'm not running a temporal race, I'm running an eternal race, not to get pulled to and fro and, and to be shaken by what's happening in the world, but to fix my eyes on Jesus. And what you do is, you know, You've got to keep seeing it and seeing it. I had to keep putting the vision of A21 in front of us, the vision of Propel in front of us, the dreams that God had given me, put them in front of me and not just focus on the shaking around me, but focus on the call to me. You know, when, when we saw those ultrasounds of Catherine, I remember putting those photos up 
everywhere. And I was constantly reminded that my world was about to dramatically change. I was so excited. The discomfort didn't matter to me because I could see my baby. I knew what was coming so that I could endure the short-term sickness. I could endure the adjustments. I could endure the discomfort. Church, I wanna remind us, He is coming back. There is gonna be a new heaven. There is gonna be a new earth. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more loss. There will be no more suffering. All things will be made new. Let's keep that eternal perspective before us. And if we do that, we are going to sustain and maintain our temporal obedience. You know, the Viktor Frankl, the Viennese psychiatrist, he, he spent three years in a Nazi concentration camp and gave an anniversary speech. And this is what he said in that speech. He said, there's only one reason why I am here today. What kept me alive was you, he spoke to the crowd. Others gave up hope. I dreamed, I dreamed that someday I would be here telling you how I, Viktor Frankl, had survived the Nazi concentration camps. I've never been here before. I've never seen any of you before. I've never given this speech before. But in my dreams, I have stood before you and I said these words a thousand times. It was his dream of the future that allowed him to endure His temporal, literal hellhole. You see, many of us, we've given up on our God dream because we've looked at our current circumstances rather than focusing on the future and the goodness of God. We've become paralysed in the present or the past and we've never learned to step into our future. We need to learn to look to the future through the lens of faith and through the lens of eternity. You see, you and I, we walk by faith and not by sight. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the famous story, we see that the city of Jericho was tightly shut up. No one came out, no one came in, but the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given you the city. It was one way in the natural, the city was tightly shut up. And it was another way in the spiritual. See, I've given you the city. It took faith to see what God sees. It takes faith to go where God says to go. It takes faith to believe when God asks us to believe Him. I unapologetically wanna stir your faith up today. We are a people who walk by faith. Romans, Paul writes, the righteous will live by faith. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. We walk by faith faith and not by sight. We are a faith people. We've got to see with the eyes of faith. And the fact of the matter is that we're not doing it just for us. We're doing it for the generations that are to come after us. We want to hold that baton of faith so that we can faithfully hand that baton of faith to the next generation. And so the dream is not ever just about us. The dream is about the generations that are going to come after us that we would hold the baton of faith and we would pass the baton of faith from one generation to the next. Viktor Frankl endured what he endured in the Nazi concentration camps. It is inconceivable to me. And he stood in that speech and he said, I've never been here before, but I've seen you all before. And the dream of standing here and telling you that I made it is what enabled me to endure the hardship in that concentration camp. 
Brothers and sisters, I wanna ask you today, I know we have endured hardship. I know that the world around us has been cray cray. I know so many have lost so much, but can you look ahead to the future? Can you look ahead to the race that you've been called to run part of an eternal divine relay? So that like Viktor Frankl, you can say, you know what? I'm here not just for me, but for the generations that are to come after me. I endured that season and we came through a pandemic and we came through so much loss and so much upheaval and so much instability and so much chaos. But I stayed faithful because I wasn't just focused on the here and now. I lifted up my eyes. I looked up to the hills from whence my help comes. It comes from the Lord God. I fixed my eyes on Jesus. I thought about the generations that are gonna come after me and I saw them. And because of them, I stayed faithful here. I stayed obedient here, I endured here because I kept looking down the track to the future. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us going. I'm going to envision a future, not just for my daughters, but now that I've launched one to college, I'm thinking of my grandchildren by the grace of God and my great-grandchildren. I'm sure that's why that song by Kerry Job and Cody Carnes and, and Stephen Furtick about the blessing has resonated so much with so many of us because it's not just about us, but it's about our children and our children's children. So we've got to envision a future beyond us. And when you can envision a future beyond you, you make decisions not based about you, but based on the generations that are to come after you. So why do I want to see your life unleashed for the glory of God? Why do I want to see you fulfill your God-given purpose and your God-given potential? Because it's not just about you, but it's about the generations that are gonna come after you, in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening today. We hope the message has encouraged you. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. For links and more, head to christinecane.com forward slash podcast. We hope to see you again next week, right here for another episode of Equip and Empower. Equip and Empower.